have a big day. As Clint said, we have a momentous day here. Holy baptism, Holy Communion, a liturgy for a groundbreaking parish picnic, all of that. And I think that our task right now is to try to discern how all of that which we celebrate fits into the pattern of the gospel. For example, what do new members and new church buildings have to do with Jesus? We have here so very, very much for which to be grateful, so very much to look forward to, and we have very much responsibility. At a staff meeting just this past week, I asked us how these big projects that will be occupying so much of our attention in the coming months will affect our vision, our vision. And the answer, of course, is hopefully not at all, because our call remains to deepen our relationship to God in Christ, to grow in our capacity to help others here at St. George's deepen their relationship to God in Christ, and to grow in our capacity to share the love of Christ with those who are outside the church. And that includes those who are going to come after us, those to whom we will pass on the baton of faith, those who will carry on the race of the Christian life and mission in their own generations to receive, to live, and to share is a glorious vision. So I appreciate that in God's providence, one of the readings assigned for today is from the letter to the Hebrews. It is a fitting passage. It is also a famous passage. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. We were reminded here of two things. First, the life of faith is, the life of faith is not easy in this world. And second, we do not go it alone. We belong to this big, messy, historic family of God, the Church Catholic. I want us briefly to reflect on these two points in connection to this particular historic moment in the life of St. George's. So one of the very first things to know about the letter to the Hebrews is that it is originally a transcribed sermon rather than, for example, a written correspondence that someone had a courier deliver, sent through the post office, if you will. And the unnamed author, probably preaching to Christians in the late first century in Rome, maybe Alexandria in Egypt, is addressing a congregation that is clearly literate, pretty well-educated, just from the sophistication of the sermon. We can tell that this is a sophisticated people, not unlike the people here at St. George's Church. And so this is a congregation now that is passed out of that early spiritual honeymoon phase of the initial years that was very close to the actual life of Jesus when everyone in the congregation was a new Christian and the congregation was courageous, brave in the face of almost immediate opposition and persecution from outsiders. But the letter, the sermon, is given to the second generation there in that congregation. So the youthful vigor 
and courage are waning. They are learning what Christians ever after them have learned through the years and centuries. It is difficult. It is difficult to carry on in the Christian way when the world seems intent on its own way. And the primary issue in this passage from the letter to the Hebrews today is that this is a congregation that is tired. Some in the congregation are wearied, continuing the race in an indifferent and sometimes hostile world. Social stigma, it's no fun. It's also hard. And the preacher is reminding them it's also a privilege. It's also a calling. I've spoken quite a bit, quite a bit in recent years about the challenges before us as the church in the face of what seems an accelerating unraveling of our social cohesion out there. I've tried gently to remind us that while politics is obviously very important to culture, I would not look there for your ultimate hope. Certainly not there alone. Because our true and our lasting hope is in the Lord Jesus. Of course it is wearying to see the news day in and day out. Of course it is hard to figure out exactly what a loving Christian response is in a world filled with so much madness. Heck, for me, it is fatiguing just trying to figure out how to be a Christian given my own personal challenges. And so I want to say that what I think we are doing here with our capital projects is a very large, visible counter witness to hand wringing and cynicism and to discouragement about the world. The best healing we can offer a divided world is simply to be the church. We are offering, therefore, a physical sign that we believe Christ is sufficient for this day and for the future because Christ is Lord. The scale of our projects is large. It is. The financial commitments you all have made to this is truly remarkable. I, I cannot tell you how impressed, almost wonderstruck I have been. There are many sitting here listening to me right now who have made a commitment to this campaign that is the largest gift you've ever made in your life. I want to thank each and every one of you who has committed to our campaign. So the, the architectural vision here that we will build out is significant. But the church, Christians, we, at our best, always preserve a proper scale of values. That is to say, a prayerful perspective. Because we look to Jesus as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, to quote the letter to the Hebrews. The mission of the church is not to be thought of in terms of real estate or cultural prestige. It is to be thought of in terms of the faithfulness of God moving through the history as well as the future of the people of God. Again, the letter to the Hebrews is, I think, very helpful for us today. The life of faith can be hard, 
but secondly, we do not go into it alone. So we hear the movement of God in this sermon today from the deliverance of Israel out of slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea. That is a movement of God all the way through the Old Testament, through figures like Rahab and Gideon and Samson and David and Samuel, right up to the deliverance of God's people, indeed the whole world, from the slavery of sin and death through the cross of Jesus. And that history continues from there into the life of the church through the life of this late first century congregation that is being addressed in our reading today and more than that too. A continuing movement through the centuries right up to that first generation of Christians right here at St. George's whom if the preacher were still alive would name also. Names like Curry, and Craig, and Farrell, and Anderson, Hampton, and Philip Brown, and Tribu, and Jackson, and McNeely, Abernathy, Bransford, Davis, Dudley, Brandau, Nelson, Tosh, and so many more, who put their vision and their resources to work for the spread of God's kingdom right here at the corner of Harding Road and Bellmead Boulevard. And today, today, we are visibly living forward that legacy, their legacy that goes all the way back. We stand in continuity with them as we look to our future. They all, all of them, named and unnamed, remind us that our primary reality is not that we face many challenges. Our primary reality is that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And our primary witness is that with them we are in Christ who can be trusted, who can be trusted to be faithful in this and every generation and the unfolding of his purposes. That is what we are caught up in. God is counting on us to join the race, to run it. And God has given us the grace, and God has clearly given us the resources to do so. So these being baptized today, they represent that future. They will one day, God willing, be named by others in this great cloud of witnesses after you and I are long gone. But today, our hope for this Living Our Legacy campaign is to equip them to run the race of faith and to join that cloud. If you can't tell, I think this is a glorious thing for us to be about. So by what means will we evaluate success in the race? In the dollars raised, in the additional square footage, in renovated, beautiful worship spaces? In part, yes. I'm not going to discount the significance of those things. These are instruments that God will use to be sure in both the Bible and St. George's own history reveal that the Lord uses expansive capital projects to bless. Oh, yes, he does. But the ultimate measure of success will be this a faithful local community that feels like a family with all of any family's imperfections, 
willingly, generously, lovingly, courageously, trustingly joining together with each other and with those who have gone before, knowing that there are gonna be those who come after us. Committing to this for the sake of Christ, for the future of his church, for the future of God's mission in the world, for the sake of the world. And I cannot think of anything more inspiring and exciting than that, which explains why I am inspired and excited. And I hope you are too. To God be the glory. Amen.